the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Time now for the second hour of the Jimmy Sangenberger Show. News Talk 710 KNUS. Good to be with you. Thanks for being a part of the program. We will open up the phones anew in the next segment at 303-696-1971. You can also text into the show on the 710 KNUS app on your smartphone. If you don't have the app, what are you doing? It's free and there's lots of goodies you can get. From having the app, makes it easy to access podcasts as well. And, of course, I'm on the Twitterverse, at Sang Center, saying with an E, not an A, Center on Twitter. So when we look right now at Colorado, Republicans seem like outcasts right now. The defeat here in this state was significant. We haven't seen anything like it. The Democrats now have the greatest control of the state house in history. I think over two thirds of the state house representatives is now controlled by the Democrats who picked up several seats when Republicans even thought that they could take a few back from the Democrats. The state Senate gained a little bit of ground for the Democrats and statewide. We no longer have, a single elected Republican, or will, beginning of next year, no longer have a single elected Republican statewide. That is a far cry from when our next guest this morning, Dick Wadhams, was chairman of the Colorado Republican Party way back in 2010. It was a rough-and-tumble year in a number of ways, the U.S. Senate and governor in particular, but Secretary of State, Treasurer, Attorney General, they all went Republican. The state house went Republican. What's changed? What are the dynamics like now? And what is the path forward for the Colorado Republican Party? Let's talk about all this with Dick Wadhams, who joins me now. Good morning, my friend. How are you? Hey, Jimmy. Nice to be with you this morning. Good to have you, as always. Yeah, I was pondering this morning. I mean, the first couple of interviews I did with you, two or three, was back in the 2010 cycle. You were state party chairman, and I was a lowly host in Regis University's KRCX 93.9, the real deal. And, uh, you know, in the basement studios, and I was interviewing you on, on multiple occasions, and I was thinking about that, and Gosh, how long I've known you and how you were one of my earlier guests uh, in radio, but also about how things have changed since then here in Colorado. A lot is different over the last 12 years. Well, it has, Jimmy. And and the other the other thing that happened in 2010, you did a good job with that um, uh, list of things that were that we won. We did one other thing. Um, We unseated two. <clears throat> incumbent Democratic members of Congress. Right, um, right. Scott Tipton unseated John Salazar, and um, Cory Gardner unseated <clears throat> Betsy Markey up in the 4th right. District. 
And um, uh, and so it was overall a good year. I mean, as you point out, though, the governor's race just went total into chaos when we nominated Dan Mays, who was wholly unqualified. Uh, Tom Tancredo got in, but he Tom Tancredo did not cause us to lose that election, believe me. Um, but uh, and then uh, Ken Buck, who would have been a great senator, Ken made some mistakes in the last part of the campaign that kind of allowed Bennett to eke out a victory. But overall, as you point out, it was a really good year. And and the um, your question is what's changed? Why can't we like this election? Why couldn't we have elected some some uh, Republican candidates uh, in this environment where Biden was so unpopular, crime and and uh, immigration and so many things are just uh, off the chart um, uh, bad for Democrats. And frankly, our electorate has changed dramatically in the last uh, ten years. <clears throat> that was probably the last election. Well, no, actually. We, you could actually take it up to 2014 when Cory Gardner unseated um, uh, Mark Udall. The, the electorate was still a third, a third, a third with a slight Republican advantage. Um, but starting in 2011, we started to have this massive migration of people into the state. And by the end of the decade, 800,000 people have moved here. And they, these folks, younger, more liberal, and they dramatically changed our electorate, which we saw this week. Yeah, I mean, I think 2014 is a good marker as well. Not only the year of Cory Gardner, but you had Wayne Williams, for example, win as Secretary yeah. of State, Walker Stapleton, re-election for Treasurer, and so forth. And uh, at the time, then-Republican Cynthia Kaufman uh, was the Attorney General candidate. So Republicans did well as well in 2014. Here's my question, Dick Wadhams, and that is, I was always holding out hope that one thing Colorado could do in this cycle was have a split ticket vote where you had, say, a Pam Anderson win for secretary of state and a John Kellner win for attorney general. But maybe you'd still have Jared Polis and Michael Bennett. And who knows, maybe Dave Young would have been reelected as treasurer or what have you. But that you could have Democrats and Republicans at the top. Has that irrevocably changed where now it is sort of more of a straight ticket dynamic in Colorado? Because that would be really the the indication of the death knell, I would think, of the GOP in this state. Well, I have reluctantly come to the conclusion, Jimmy, is that <clears throat> we are not going to be competitive for, for the foreseeable future. And, and this is why I really was optimistic coming into this election that um, – <clears throat> As you say, that we could elect some Republicans statewide, narrow the gap, maybe even winning the Colorado State Senate, um, uh, winning the 8th Congressional District. But um, And the reason I was optimistic is I thought after two elections where these unaffiliated voters swung so heavily against Republicans because, of, frankly, they just disliked Donald Trump intensely. So we saw that in 18 and 20, but I thought Trump is no longer president. Uh, if we nominate a strong ticket, which we did, by the way, these these unaffiliated voters would would come back and say, I'm going to take a look at these Republican candidates this time. Well, they didn't do it. Um, what what? In fact, the, the voting um, behavior was eerily almost identical to 2020. Um, the the uh, these these voters basically said, yeah, I think I, I think they acknowledged that we had nominated strong candidates, especially over the people they beat in primaries. But um, at the same time, they they just they their their intense dislike of, of Trump is so deep that they still don't trust Republicans, that they still think this is a party dominated by Trump. 
and they voted accordingly. Um, and I don't think that's going to change in the, uh, in the foreseeable future, uh, Jimmy, because we've got the presidential race coming up. Trump has announced his candidacy. Uh, and um, so we're just kind of stuck where we are right now. Again, Dick Wadhams, our guest, when we look at this election cycle, Republican turnout was down from 2018 in Colorado and across much of the country as well. I think some of it was Republicans who had been discouraged from voting because of the sense that, oh, it's all rigged, so why bother? And or they decided to wait until Election Day to cast their ballots and not vote early. And then something came up and they ended up being unable to make it to the polls and said, oh, well, okay, I, I guess I can't make it. That's just fine. Uh, but here's the thing. There was there was talk of making more base plays. For example, we did see Heidi Ganahl try and play more to the base in the last few days of the uh, election because the idea, I assume, was let's turn out more Republican voters. Had Republican turnout gone up uh, from where it was this year or maybe match 2018 maybe got a little bit above that how much of a difference would that have made dick wadhams if more republicans turned out well it would have helped but it wouldn't have changed the outcome jimmy because when you take a look at um uh, if you break down parts of the state in this election and 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 once again these these numbers eerily mirror what happened in 2020 when biden beat Trump by 14 points here in Colorado. Um, Heidi lost uh, by a, a bigger margin than did o- O'Day, but let's look at the O'Day numbers. He ba- he lost um, Jefferson and Arapahoe counties collectively by a, around 60-40. You wow. cannot win a statewide wow. election if, if you lose Jeffco and Arapahoe by 60-40. Uh, El Paso and Douglas, the big Republican counties that we always need to get in the 60s, uh, Republican uh, percentage in the 60s um, in order to win a statewide race. Those were down in the low 50s for um, uh, O'Day. Um, and in fact, uh, Heidi Ganahl barely won her home county of Douglas <clears throat> just by just by a few votes. And then you look at Denver Boulder. Um, Republicans have got to get 30 percent in those two um, increasingly in deep blue counties. Um, and, and, and we lost those counties 80, 20. Well, so you look at, you look at those counties, which by the way, you add up those counties, what's that, what is that about 70% of the statewide vote? <clears throat> you cannot lose those counties or in the case of Douglas and El Paso only win by a couple of points and think we're going to, so even if, if Republican turnout had, had, um, significantly increased, it frankly wouldn't have made, made a, a difference in terms of winning because the unaffiliated voters just swung so heavily against us in this election. Mm-hmm. And I think, and Jimmy, I think it's this stolen election conspiracy stuff has cut deep in terms of the image of this party and um, those unaffiliated voters who, who might even agree with us on a lot of the issues, Jimmy, and might even think that Joe Biden is incompetent. They might, start, they might be getting concerned about the increasing crime and hopelessness, but they look at the Republican Party and they say they're still crazy over there. I mean, with this election conspiracy stuff. And so they that, they voted accordingly. Well, and I, I do agree that that was much of the perception. I also think there's a perception that if you're so focused on what appears to be, if not literally is, relitigating 2020. And I say appears to be because there are some 
listeners have reminded me of this, in their minds at least, um, they believe that they're looking ahead, not just backwards, and they want to have fixes made. Now, I would disagree with that assessment, but it, that may be their their mindset. But the voters are thinking, okay, this is relitigating 2020, and it is not just focusing backward on 2020, but it is not really focusing on the issues at hand. All of our Republican candidates, Dick Wadhams, were constantly beating the drum of crime, inflation slash the economy, education. I mean, there was the most coherent message I have seen in, if not ever, in a very long time among our candidates top to bottom on these issues. And yet voters seem to have still viewed the Republican Party as focused on things that don't matter, that aren't impacting their lives. And so that, I think, contributed to this as well. There's no doubt, Jimmy. I totally agree with you. Uh, it just kept so deep, and these these uh, these unaffiliated voters um, just they just think it's crazy. Um, by the way, though, Jimmy, the other thing I think this election revealed is that uh, you know forty six percent of the electorate is unaffiliated. I think a big chunk, and I don't know what the percentage would be, but I think a big chunk of them are are frankly liberal Democrats who are registered unaffiliated. Um, they're not gettable. Um, they just they 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 register unaffiliated as some kind of a virtue signal that oh we're not tied to any political party. Well, they are. They they vote. They're just liberal Democrats. Now that's not all that forty six percent, but it's a big chunk of them. But the problem is the the unaffiliated voters that are are true swing voters and uh, probably are uh, open to the idea of, of our 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 issues. They just said no. No, we're not going to we are not going to entrust elective offices in Colorado to the Republicans as long as they seem to be a party uh, dominated by Donald Trump and dominated by the stolen election conspiracy stuff. They just they just put their foot down and said no. Let's talk about something else, Dick Wadhams, which is, OK, the Republicans are in the wilderness now and Democrats have full control. What can the GOP do, though, to maybe thwart some of the radical agenda and or at least set up for some messaging effectively so that I mean, the one goal I would like to see accomplished, if even possible, for 2024 is to get Republican control of the state Senate restored again, if that is even possible, uh, or at least close that margin, that gap, so that you can stop thwart the Democrats more in their agenda. But, I mean, obviously right now it's hard to realistically thwart the agenda, but you can set up for messaging moving forward. What would you advise Republicans in the state House, the state Senate, across the board, throughout the state as well, uh, to be doing as far as setting up for that messaging game? Well, <clears throat> there are things that can be done, Jimmy, and um, I really think that uh, Paul Lundin, our Senate Minority Leader, and um, uh, our House Minority Leader, my um, oh, my Lord, I'm, I'm blanking out. You know, um, I think they're both very they can can be very effective in leading their, the Republican Caucus and uh, pointing out the excesses which will, are inevitably going to come from these big Democratic majorities and, and a, a good case. I'm sure you read George Brockler's uh, magnificent um, uh, column this week pointing out all the various places Democrats are still going to undermine law enforcement and coddle criminals in this next legislative session. I think we need to really continue to hammer that 
because it's not going to get any better. Crime's not going to get any better. And I think that we need our, our, our Republican legislators to really stand up and, and hammer Democrats, especially on crime and, infl- and, um, and, and homelessness. <laughs> and so uh, that starts with just day to day being the principled opposition. And um, they can't stop anything. I mean, my Lord, those numbers are pathetic. But they can certainly raise their raise their voices, and I think they will. Um, and I think then in terms of the 2024 election, I think we can win some of these seats back with strong candidates and, and assuming that um, Colorado might be in play in the presidential race. I don't know if it will be or not. It depends on who we nominate, who they nominate. But um, there will be some opportunities to, to get some – to win some of the turf back that we lost in, in the last three elections. By the way, it's State Representative Mike Lynch who just took the mantle said, as the incoming minority I, I, leader. I forgot his name because Mike is a great guy, and I think he's going to do a great job. So. Yeah, I mean, and, and in an uphill battle, of uh, up-mountain battle, uh, I definitely mm-hmm. think uh, Mike Lynch sounds like a, a guy who's going to do a mighty fine yeah. job in this battle. Um, just real quickly, two final questions. One, and I, I really trace this back to 2010 when you were state party chair. I think we have seen within the Republican Party the growing divisions where you have sort of turf wars. It's my way or the highway, and then I'm not going to support the candidates, etc. How does the Republican Party overcome that? Because quite frankly... I think that's only going to get worse. I'm worried about what might happen at the state uh, assembly for the or central committee for the GOP and what they end up deciding as far as leadership potentially and so forth, where you may see folks learning some of the wrong lessons and then bringing about even more sort of divisions in, in the infighting. Yeah, you know, Jimmy, um, I think it's just going to have to play itself out over of course. the next couple of election cycles. And so I don't think there's any way to avoid it. But mentioning the state party, I want to say, because I've already heard the drumbeat, oh, the state party was so bad. Christy Burton Brown did a magnificent job. And she, I think she she really did do a great job. And she was in the Democrats' face at, uh, with, with her communications. She, she really did work the counties hard. Um, I Christy Burton Brown did everything she could to build a Republican Party to help Republican candidates. What happened is nowhere near her fault, but I'm already hearing that kind of stuff. Yeah. I don't know if she wants to run again. I think she deserves reelection if she wants to. Uh, but um, uh, there's always, I would say, there's always, after a defeat, there's always, well, the state party didn't, well, you know what? The state party is, 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 is there to help candidates, not to run campaigns. And um, the fact is, is that I thought they did a great job. And I, I agree with you. I'm, I'm afraid the, um, the, the, the state party could be even more dominated by this election conspiracy stuff after this election. I actually want to ask you a question that just came in, um, noting how you had mentioned Democrats um, or left-wingers, liberals identifying as unaffiliated. Question here, why would we continue with open primaries? Well, first of all, it's state law. It's been pa- it was passed by the voters, and um, it uh, and and actually, it is not an open primary. It it is be- better described as a semi-open primary. Mm-hmm. Democrats do not vote in our primary. We can't vote in theirs. But um, I think the allowing unaffiliated has actually helped Republicans. Um, I do not think that is what beat us this time. Um, and uh, I don't have any trouble with unaffiliated voting. But you know, if somebody wants to 
try to get the legislature to repeal it or or uh, get the um, or put something on the ballot. They're free to do that if they want to try to do it. What about because really it's it's assembly only, which would be utterly foolish. I mean, you want to talk about being in the wilderness that would destroy the Republican Party if you completely pulled out of the primaries or you need to change the law. What about this notion of the of the Colorado Republican Party embarking on a lawsuit uh, regarding open primaries, which, you know, they there's a claim that all the costs are covered. I don't see how that would actually be possible when you get to the appellate level, maybe even the Supreme Court level. Those things get extraordinarily costly. Uh, and having been a state party chair, like, what do you make of that? You know, Jay, it's just it's another example of focusing on the wrong thing. What we ought to be doing is trying to figure out how we can bring these unaffiliated voters back to supporting some Republicans, not to, not trying to deny them access to our primary. I mean, it's just, I'll tell you, the, the, the lack of common sense of some of these things are, is just mind-numbing at times. And so, I mean, you listen, if somebody wants to file a lawsuit, that's their business. And if they can raise the money, the finance is fine. I don't think the state Republican Party should invest a dime in something like that. But um, uh, I don't know. It's So many people are focused on the wrong thing. Stolen elections, um, making sure unaffiliated don't come into our primary. What does that accomplish? Dick Wadhams, our guest, just one final question. You were talking about 2024 and looking at presidential races here in Colorado. And uh, here's a little tidbit of something that happened on Bill Maher's show two Fridays ago. When you run for president, um, (laughs) it actually could be an advantage because the Democratic Party um, is very big on checking boxes. And it's very hard to imagine any ticket now for, on the Democratic side that would have just two straight white men. It's impossible to imagine. So they need to check boxes. You check one of them. Look, you know, I mean, first of all, I, I have the job I love. I'm really passionate about Colorado. I hope everybody visits Colorado, enjoys Colorado. So you'll never run for president. Um, I love this job that I have. This is the job I wanted. I wrote a column months ago saying Jared Polis is running for president. You think he's running for president, Dick Wadhams? I remember your column, and I think you were dead right, Jimmy. I think a year from four months from now, we're going to see him spending more time in Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina, and Nevada than Colorado. Hmm. I, I do believe he's going to run. I don't think he's going. To, I think he will be just as successful as President Michael Bennett and President uh, John right. Well, even Bennett so. has said nobody but Joe Biden could have beaten Donald Trump. And I'm like, hmm, you didn't you think at one point that you could have beaten Donald Trump? Exactly. Oh, I don't know. This is a crazy world in which we live. Dick Wadhams, everybody, thank you so much for joining us. I always appreciate it, my thank friend. Once All again, right, Dick Wadhams joining us former chairman of the Colorado Republican Party and Republican strategist. Always great to check in with Dick again. Yes, indeed. When I was a college student at Regis University, just starting radio, hosting a campus show called Sang Center. That's my the origin of my Twitter handle, by the way, at Sang Center, Sang with an E, not an A, Center on Twitter. Uh, Dick came on several times during that 2010 cycle. I remember, well, I remember Dick Wadhams uh, being on. I remember Scott Gessler coming in studio when he ran for Secretary of State in that cycle. I remember uh, Ken Buck coming in a number of times uh, in studio and over the phone during that senatorial election time. 
I mean, it's quite something to look back at that old radio time just as I was getting started here. And now, 12 plus years later, here we are. I'm Jimmy Sangenberger. You're listening to The Jimmy Sangenberger Show. 303-696-1971 is our telephone number. Call in. Join into the festivities. No more guests the rest of the show. We've got a lot to talk about, including the latest in Denver public schools and more. So keep it right here. News Talk 710 KNUS. Yes, indeed. There's got to be a change, Republican Party. Make no mistake, and there needs to be a real assessment of where we are in Colorado and across the country as far as Republican standing. Indeed, as Johnny Lang sings, there's got to be a change. By the way, you're listening to the Jimmy Sangenberger Show, grooviest bumper music known to man. First concert I ever saw, seven years old. Johnny Lang right there. And that was the album that he was touring on. He was 16 at the time, Johnny Lang. And it was Johnny Lang opening for Jeff Beck. I was seven years old, and that was the first concert I ever saw. You know, that's how you you start things right. And then when I was 11, I think the next concert I went to a few years later, 10 or 11, it was Buddy Guy, who, by the way, is about to go on his farewell tour. I'm just like, oh, my gosh, I need to make sure I see him next year. His Denver or his Colorado uh, stop, it doesn't look like that's been set for the farewell tour. So I'm going to be watching closely for that, and I will let you know when that happens. Because... I definitely want to go. You might want to as well. (laughs) Johnny Lang text comes in. A carton of cigarettes per week and you can sing like him. (laughs) Maybe in my case that could work. Johnny Lang was only 16, but he had a hell of a voice even as a teenager. Good to be with you. 303-696-1971, our telephone number. Let's go to Eric in Denver. Good morning, Eric. How are you? Jimmy, I'm actually in Stapleton because uh, Tay Anderson could never change my city, all right, my community. Anyway, at Amen, the same brother. time, yeah, okay, at the same time, you know, with Dick Wadhams coming on your show with this negativity this, as a black conservative American, I love Donald Trump. Let me say that first and okay. foremost. And then why won't you get uh, Casper Stockham, someone in that um, – um, you know, prestige to counteract the Wadhams at the same time on your station to, you know, the dubuque of all his negativity that he, he, oh my God, Jimmy, he made, he just ruined my whole day. Well, Eric, I will, I will see. Uh, I will see when I can get Casper on. I have no it's problem. I like Casper. Yeah, Casper and I get along great. For, for, well, yeah, I know that. But it's not fair for Dick Wadhams to come on and spew all his negativity well, about us Republicans, and then nobody so, is able to counteract him so like let me, I would love to go on. So let me, I, I'm just being facetious. Let me ask you, what would you have countered, what question would you have asked Dick Bottoms if you were in my chair? What's the question you would have asked him? It, it would have been a simple one. Dick Bottoms, do you think that the great President Donald J. Trump would uh, be forthwith 
a second time to uh, um, as president to finish what he started Do in twenty twenty. He would be or should be. That's the question that I would ask Dick Wadhams. Do you think that Trump should be able to come in in twenty twenty four to finish what he started mm. in the great time that he was in? office. Yeah, that's what I would ask, Dick. So let me ask you a question, Eric. And and again, I appreciate you calling as always. So when we are looking at the root causes of losing such a stinging defeat, this is the biggest defeat in Colorado Republican Party history. This is stunning. So when you look at that, how is it that we are not supposed to have a sober assessment? If that means it sounds very negative, but maybe it's a realistic, shouldn't we be looking at things as they are, not as we want them to be? I mean, I definitely agree that Donald J. Trump was an excellent president. He did so many things. He should have gotten, I keep saying this, he should have gotten the Nobel Peace Prize for the Abraham Accords. I'm sure that we agree on that point, Eric. Yet, when we look at the political realities in Colorado and nationally, that's a different story from in terms of electability from how he was as president, is it not? No, it's not, because it's all false media skew. Because you know, as sharp as you are, that it's, it's, it, it, it's the uh, left-wing uh, MSNBC, CBS, NBC, I mean CNN. I don't have to go down the line, Jimmy, which you already know. This mm-hmm. is false narratives that they are spewing out there. It's just, come on now, Jimmy, 74 million votes that Trump got over and above more than any president, a Republican president in our lifetime. More than any president. And then you're going to, yeah. okay. More than and any then, elected you know, president. Uh, just like the great Rush Limbaugh said uh, before he met uh, God in heaven, uh, he, he said that Hillary Clinton, was probably saying, well, why in the hell didn't you guys do that for me that you did for Biden? 81 million votes that Biden got. No man in this so God's green earth on this side of heaven is going to believe that. Let me Jimmy. jump in and ask you one more question. Because <laughs> yes, sir. Here you is, know I love you, my Here brother. is the thing. There comes a point where, look, I agree with you. The left went after Trump like nobody else during his presidency and since his presidency. But there is a point, especially here in Colorado, where I think it took on a life of its own. He didn't do himself any favors in terms of the personality. When he's brash, we like that. There's so much that you like about him being a fighter. Absolutely. But I think some of the narratives about Trump have taken a life of their own where it's not just a media thing. It was adopted by a majority, a solid decisive majority of Colorado voters. So don't we at some point have to acknowledge that at least a little bit in our calculus for what we do next in the Republican Party or no? Ah, Well, the next Republican Party um, is going to put maybe 81 million, more 82 million votes, Jimmy, to answer your question for Trump to get him over. But let me ask you a question. Sure. With your intelligence. Why aren't we hearing more about Eric Comer and the lawsuits? Uh, Matt oh, jumped Eric. off the surface of the map. Yeah, oh, uh, with the uh, yeah, the many machines. Why aren't uh, Peter always talks about the lawsuits? The lawsuits. Where where are they? 
You don't hear no nothing yeah, about I, Eric Homer I, I, and I, the, the many. I've I've moved past all of that, um, Eric. That's not a topic well, that I that I cover. That's huge. I'm not, it's not it's not a topic that I'll be covering on my show. I have moved no, no, past I, that. I, but, I just uh, asked you a question. Oh yeah, like I, you I don't know. Me. I, yeah. The answer I don't know. Thank you. I'll give you the answer. No, I don't know. He, so he has. Eric, uh, brother, he, he has no, you're a great no American. I got to run to the break. Too, I appreciate okay. it. God Thank bless. you for the call. As uh, always, 303-696-1971 is our telephone number. Keep it right here. We got to take a break. One line open. Jimmy Sangenberger Show, 710-KNUS. Oh, yeah. May he rest in peace. The late, great Junior Wells, one of the best harmonica players to ever live, and that is a 17-year-old Derek Trucks of the Allman Brothers Band. I don't think he was with the band at the time. He would go on to join the Allman Brothers Band. But 17 on the slide guitar. I mean, absolutely incredible. That's why you got to let it play out just a little bit sometimes. Welcome back to the Jimmy Sangenberger Show. News Talk 710 KNUS. The song, uh, What My Mama Told Me, slash That's All Right. Good to be with you here on the program. Let's continue with the phones. One line open at 303-696-1971. Let's go to Gary in Denver. Good morning, Gary. Good morning, Jimmy. Uh, Jimmy, I don't uh, totally agree with you regarding the, the simple notion that this the stolen election issue was the key to the Republican demise. I, I, to me, it's very, very clear why we lost. We got killed by the youth, the abortion issue. Uh, take the 18 to 30 unmarried women, especially those with a college education. Their total exposure to this issue is social media and, 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 and a ton of liberal professors. Uh, liberal professors. Um, they, they're under the notion that if they vote Republican, abortion is going to be illegal or very, very difficult to obtain. So here's my question to you, Jimmy. How many unmarried women, young unmarried women, do you know that – have ever listened to Republic talk, Republican talk radio show or Newsmax or Fox News? You know how many I know? Zero. Oh, I, I've actually met a number. Um, I couldn't put a, a number, and it's certainly small relative to other media sources. But let me just answer, make a, a couple of points here, because you are raising an important issue in terms of youth turnout, and you are, which was a little bit higher than uh, previously, but it was still lower than 2018 when there was a 31% turnout, whereas this year it looks like it was uh, about 27% youth turnout. Now, a couple of thoughts on this. Uh, number one, you're absolutely right that the Dobbs decision played a big role in this, and I don't mean to discount that. In fact, in my column on Wednesday for Colorado Politics, I talk about that, and it is particularly because Republicans didn't fight back against the narrative that they wanted to, in Colorado, for example, eliminate all abortions or get rid of this so-called right to an abortion. In fact, it was the Democrats who are extreme, who have the most extreme abortion laws, and Republicans should have made that very clear, and yet they did not, whenever they were attacked on that issue, turn the tables back on the Democrats. So that is another critique that I would level. As far as the stolen election piece, my contention is that that suggested to so many voters, including a hell of a lot of young voters, that the Republican Party was out 
out of touch because they were focusing on 2020 and not focusing on the issues that matter, which, by the way, includes student loans. Biden is in part able to do what he is doing. Uh, thankfully, courts are stepping in his way. But he, if he does it and if the courts don't hold him, uh, prevent it from happening because Republicans dropped the ball and didn't provide any kind of alternatives, not forgiveness, not any of that kind of stuff. There's a lot of stuff I've been talking about for years. If Republicans didn't take that issue seriously. So on that issue as well, Republicans screwed up and discouraged young voters from participating. So there are a number of different factors, but I think youth people, uh, young people thought, you know what? The Republican Party's out of touch. They don't care about the issues and they're focused on relitigating things that don't matter. That's the perception. I got it. But what do we need to do to change maybe some of these college mentality issues? Do we need to put people in there? Because it's not going to change. 10 years, 20 years, as long as these youth do not listen to what's going on, it's not going to change. You know, you're raising a very important point. Let me offer in the next uh, hour, I'll offer some thoughts on bringing in younger voters. I mean, I... I'm in that 18 to 35 voting demographic myself. I'm 32. So I can at least offer for some of the older end. The college age is a little bit more uh, difficult in that woke environment. But there still are things that we can do. I'll take that up uh, in, in the next hour, Gary. And I appreciate the call because you're hitting on a very important issue. Good enough. Uh, absolutely. Thank you, sir. 303-696-1971 is our telephone number. Johnny, if you can stay on the line, we'll get to you right in the next hour. You're listening to The Jimmy Sangenberger Show. 303-696-1971 is our telephone number. Don't go anywhere. News Talk 710-KNU. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for donald trump to hire i find out the worst enemy that i'm going to face in my life is right here in america they took my assessment and they wanted me to change it i was like i'm not changing it they had to get rid of flynn with in-depth interviews archival footage and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines i just felt like i was drowning flynn deliver the truth whatever the cost available now watch it today go to salemnow.com salemnow.com